All right. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Geek Garage podcast, the most inclusive and accessible nerd culture internet program on the internet, which is kind of redundant. Uh, anyways, uh, my name is uh, David Dassall, your host, and joined with me today is a good friend and a returning guest from the Don't Be Crazy podcast, Mr. Zachary Raincourt. How are you doing, Zach? So great. So, so, so great. How are you, David? I'm very glad to hear that you're so, so great. Um, I am also so, so great. Ooh. Excellent. Yeah. That's two so's. That means you're, you're serious on that one. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's like S, S cubed or S squared. Whoa. Yeah. That is, that's too much math for me this, yeah. this late in the day. My brain is fried. I've been up for 12 hours, but that's Ugh. okay. That's what I, that's what I like to do. But, right. uh, yeah, man, um, I'm, I'm excited to be here. It's good to be back. It's good yes. to be in, uh, in this territory again. This is yeah. like when the bloods and the crypts kind of bury their hatchet, you know, lock, lock, right. da- lock down at the rec center sort of thing. The, so the, the east side and the west side come together. The, there you the, go. The Seattle yeah. and the Nashville, uh, you know, put aside their differences. Yeah, we had, <laughs> we had so many differences. All that damn honky tonky got down there and all the nirvana we have up here. We had to set that aside. Right, because that's absolutely the only two things that our cities have to offer is honky-tonks and nirvana. Every time you watch, you watch a sporting event from Seattle, there's always a fish being thrown, and there's always Pearl Jam or Nirvana <laughs> or Soundgarden being played. I swear you could do a drinking game with, with any type of Seattle sport. They're like, yeah, let's show these things, and then an obligatory shot at the Space Needle, of course. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Um, yeah, it's the, it's the same with Nashville. We just... Um, I mean, it's it's definitely gotten better over the years, but at the same time, progressively worse because like the the touristy stuff is all downtown. Like when when people visit, they only want to do like downtown stuff. Right. And what downtown is is like the Country Music Hall of Fame, the honky tonks, um, you know, all the like the the museums, like the George Jones Museum, and and all those. So <clears throat> it's um, yeah, it's. Nashville has definitely become a super big tourist attraction with lots of country music themed um, events to to take part in. But, you know, I I very rarely go downtown. I had a great time when I went to Nashville. I thought it was super fun. And I I went to the Country Music Hall of Fame because, you know, when in Rome. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. So. Um, but the, the food was excellent. Uh, I I had one of the best Tex Mex Tex Mex food items or restaurants I've ever been to. I, don't, I can't talk mm-hmm. right now, apparently. No, but right. uh, yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. I think it was the Gulch. Is that an area? Yeah. In? Okay. So it was yeah, down it's, in, in yeah, the Gulch, Gulch is, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of like, it's in a weird spot in, in relation to downtown. It's kind of like underground, but not really, like not underground, but like it's on a lower level than than Broadway. So, right. Um, yeah, the, the Gulch is one of them like hip happening spots. It's not like hip as in like East Nashville hip. Like, I, I don't know if you ventured into East Nashville at all, but like there's a few remaining like smoking bars there where you can like go in and smoke there and, um, wow. And just get like really good beer on tap, like local brew and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. There's a, a couple of places that I like down there. That's, um, they, uh, they're pretty well, uh, protected by the locals so well i do uh, like the beer so yeah yes uh, as do i um anyways uh contrary to popular um belief i guess we're, we're not here to talk about 
the the goings on of Nashville or Seattle. Uh, today we're talking about death. <laughs> we're gonna, well, yeah, we're gonna bring it up a notch. Um, so you and I were having a uh, just a, a discussion uh, about a multitude of things the other day. I guess it was last week sometime, and somehow we we got on the topic of death uh, lightly, and I was like, you know what? that's the episode because like we were tossing around ideas for you know uh, topics to talk about when you inevitably come back on the podcast and i was like what about like the craziest or most infamous character deaths like uh like from from fiction from movies tv etc and uh you're like sounds good to me and uh the the rest was history well we have yet to make history we have to record this first and then we will have made history um but yeah, that's uh, exactly what we are doing today. We are going through, we made a uh, a list, we have some honorable mentions, and when, then we have a uh, kind of sort of top seven. Um, it's it's not, it's like a seven deaths in no particular order. I think that's what we decided on, right, Zach? Yeah, I, I, it's hard to really narrow it down. This list was hard yeah. enough in general. Yes. Um, because, you know, there's so many amazing deaths, as morbid as that sounds, <laughs> but they're all yeah. fictional, so they're not real. And I think we we had this conversation because we were discussing uh, Ozark. and, and That's we, right. We're talking about, like, the deaths and that. And then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we kind of talked about our criteria and stuff, too. But Right, yeah. We, uh, you know, we went back and forth on a couple possible different angles, like the craziest deaths or most infamous or... Uh, notorious you know trying to find like a right angle and i I think infamous just uh sounded the best and we were able to we felt like we were gonna have an easier time with the conversation about the most infamous because it kind of in turn relates to like deaths that pretty much everyone is going to know about that is going to be relatively spoiler free like you know so we're talking about like mufasa from the lion king (laughs) bambi's mom you know shit like that so um yeah uh we're we're gonna do our best to not make it like depressing like that's not the point of this episode at all um it's just to uh discuss like um the endings of characters in within their respective storylines and uh you know pay homage you know father son and the holy ghost and all that good jazz there you go <laughs> for all you catholics out there um or not catholic non-practicing um so uh anyways let's uh you you want to get started let's do it cool well uh since uh you are the guest i will cede the first pick to you good sir all right so uh my favorite film and i call it a film even though it's a trilogy uh, is the Lord of the Rings. I can't just watch one and I'm talking extended cuts, baby. Mm-hmm. 15 hours. Gimme, gimme, gimme. But, is it really 15 hours? Well, I, it's so Return of the King is like five hours and 10 minutes. Oh my God. Uh, Two Towers is like four hours and like 25 minutes or something like that or 30 minutes. And mm-hmm. then uh, Fellowship is a little a, a tick over four hours. Uh, so wow. it's it's quite a bit. It's it, it's it's about 15 hours, but I love every minute of it and I could have more hours. So <laughs> Um, I can't just watch one and be satisfied. I'll I'll eventually have to watch them all. Just kind of like Harry Potter. It's hard mm-hmm. for me to just put a random one on. I have to kind of go in sequential order. But uh, in Fellowship, which actually isn't my favorite of the three, but in Fellowship, uh, this this amazing character, 
uh, had had an incredible send off and you know men suck we all kind of know that and the race <laughs> of man is always corrupt but uh, i'm talking about boromir so mm. the death of boromir was so heartbreaking and so beautiful and it did the book justice in my opinion and good old sean bean you know he's died about 24 different times in his <laughs> in his movies uh, the poor guy, you know, Ned Stark and mm-hmm. whatever else you name it. Uh, Alec Trevlin. Yeah, oh, Alec Trevlin. Yeah. Yep. He dies in so many movies, but love the man. I think he's brilliant. But the whole, you know, taking three arrows and he still is killing orcs. It's just incredible. And they're not regular orcs. They're Urukai. Um, mm-hmm. So it just it, it's such a it was such a pivotal and memorable moment in, in film history for me. Um, because one of those giant arrows is easily going to kill somebody. But this Boromir was such a strong warrior that it took three and he was still fighting people off. Mm-hmm. And then he ends with that beautiful line to Aragorn. And he says, my brother, my captain, my king. And uh, he dies. And it's it's very heartbreaking. It's hard to watch each time, but I absolutely love it. And that will always be if we were to do a number one, that would be number one for me. But okay. it's it's in no particular order is my list. And so Boromir, though, is uh Whew, getting all choked up thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, it is a very uh, redemptive death. Is, is that a word? Redemptive? Re- yeah, he, it was a redemption uh, death. Yeah. I, I think redemptive is probably a word. We'll we'll go with it. But yeah, we'll yeah. we'll say it's a word for the sake of uh, this conversation. Um, yeah, the uh, it it was a a very good way to kind of cap off that uh, that act of the movie because. You know, he spent a good portion of his on-screen time trying to convince uh, Frodo to, like, lend him the ring. Or, like, he knew exactly what he could do with the ring. Like, and he'd be like, I could take it back to dad. And (laughs) And he could eat tomatoes and chicken in front of me. (laughs) Oh, my God. That was so fucking gross. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, uh, very good uh, first pick. Um, Cool. Kudos to you. Clap. Thank you. I did my homework. Uh, <laughs> good job. Um, so for my first pick, uh, I'm going to one of the most beloved Morgan Freeman films uh, and uh, maybe one of the very few, uh, not Tony Robbins. Uh, Tim Robbins. Name? Tim Robbins. Thank you. Um, t- Tony Robbins hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like the motivational speaker. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that's not, that's not right. Uh, so, I am talking about Brooks from the Shawshank Redemption. Um, I saw this movie for the first time quite a while ago. I, I was probably a teenager, probably in high school. Um, and the death didn't really mean much to me at the time. <clears throat> but after rewatching it a couple times, revisiting it when I was a little bit older, uh, it just hit me differently. Like, you know, he's, uh, aside from uh tony robbins <laughs> tim robbins uh he he's pretty much the only one in prison that like gets out legitimately and but you know they they say in throughout the whole movie like he's what what like institutionalized or um something to that effect where he's just been in prison for like the majority of his life and you know he was excited yet scared to get out of prison like you know he he held the uh that dude at knife point in uh in the library um just because he was flipping out about <clears throat> getting out and 
not really knowing what to do. And he finally gets out and like, he just can't handle the outside world and he ends up taking his own life. And like I said, like it didn't really mean much to me. Like when I saw it at a young age, but like when I got a little bit older, like it, it just hit differently. And, uh, I, uh, I was proud of myself. I thought about that one all on my own. I didn't have to get it from any like list from the internet. Um, so, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's my number one pick. Brooks was here. That's a great choice. That is actually one of my top 10 favorite films of all time. And it's one of the movies that, uh, you know, if, if you're, let's just go back in the way back machine and it's the nineties and you're flipping through cable television, uh, every time you land on TNT, I swear to God, that movie's playing. But <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it's one of those films that I can pick up at any point if I'm changing the channels and it's at any point of the film, I'll just continue to watch the rest of it. I absolutely love the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's wonderfully acted and written and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's pretty crazy stuff. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think without getting too much into like a political discussion, but our, our prison systems are fundamentally broken. Mm-hmm. And the idea essentially behind prison systems is to reduce the rate of recidivism. So basically to reduce the rate to reoffend. But if they're a situation like this where, you know, he's institutionalized his entire life and he doesn't know how to reintegrate into the, to the real world. I mean, it's incredibly heartbreaking mm-hmm. um, where he formed, you know, bonds and relationships, uh, Jake, a little crow that he, that oh, he had. Yeah. Oh my God. So it's, um, it's, it's horrible. And the fact that it's almost um, that kind of a, like the dichotomy between it of, of what is the actual prison? Is it the real world or is it everything that he was dealing with in Shawshank? So yeah, I don't know a lot, a lot to to go on there, but yeah, that was really sad, man. <laughs> yeah, that that's going to be the the difficult part of this episode is like some of these deaths. There, are, there's a lot to unpack, and we <laughs> kind of have to keep it under like three or four minutes per oh, I know. per each. Uh, just you know, so this episode doesn't end up going like Joe Rogan style, like three oh, and a half gosh. hours. I'll give the Spark Notes versions for mine. <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. You you take as much time as you need. You're the guest. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, go um, go ahead with your uh, number two pick. Excellent. So when I was a young lad at the age of the ripe age of probably like 10 years old, nine years old, uh, I was my brother was watching a scary movie and I didn't know what it was until I started hearing knives along trash cans and then i saw this crazy guy in a green and red sweater chasing a girl through an alleyway and that movie was a nightmare on elm street and one of the most iconic and terrifying deaths even to this day is tina from a nightmare on elm street when she's asleep and her boyfriend is in there uh gets gets her stomach slashed and she gets picked up and dragged along the wall and then you end with that amazing scene of her falling and then just blood uh, splatting everywhere mm-hmm. uh, what in what an insane and iconic death in any any horror film any film in general but that thing will stick with me forever and then um in the remake the one that a lot of people didn't like and i i didn't think it was that bad actually but uh in that remake they recreated it to a certain extent but it just didn't hit as hard as the original did. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, to, to talk about the, the remake just for a second, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I have a feeling that I'll probably have the, the same opinion. Like, yes, it's obviously not as good as the original, but, um, I feel like horror fans are pretty harsh 
um, (laughs) about remakes, like most of the time, they're like, how dare you try and fuck with the original? And it's like, dude, like, relax. Like, the original still exists. It's still there. Like, no one, like, they didn't, like, they didn't mess with it. It's still there. Um, But yeah, that's that's a good one. If uh, if Nightmare was going to be on my list, I'd probably pick Johnny Depp's Death. Um, That was a good one, too. But... uh, I'm probably a little bit biased in the sense where I just that became my one of my favorite deaths of all time when I learned about the movie making behind the scenes action of how they accomplished that. Like pretty incredible. Yeah, it's it's like such a simple idea, but uh, like and if I remember correctly, like they nailed it on the first take, like they only had to do one and they were like, oh, well, that's that's pretty good. Um, which is great because we made like 5,000 gallons of fake blood <laughs> and it'll be a chore to make another 5,000 gallons. There you go. Um, uh, yeah. But um, anyways, yeah, that's a, a fantastic pick. Cool. Uh, my second pick is uh, this is probably my, I'd say my second favorite working director. Um, I believe his next film uh, he says will be his last this was the very first movie that I saw by this director. And I am talking about bill from kill bill. Um, I, uh, lots of, lots of people die in this movie. Um, but I just had to choose bill because of the simplicity yet brilliance of his death. Um, you know, he, we learn about in the second movie, the, what is it? The five point exploding heart palm technique or something yeah, like that. I think it's, it's, some, some, it's something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's something to that effect. A very, very long title for uh, hitting the five pressure points around the hearts and your heart explodes, um, walk five feet and then you, uh, you drop dead. And that's precisely what happened. But I, uh, you know, there's a, it, it seems like this is a reoccurring thing in, uh, in these types of movies where the the final boss battle can uh, tend to be a little underwhelming it's it seems like it could go either way like it's either super badass long and drawn out or like short and simple to the point and it can be either like like ah that was kind of lackluster or like chef's kiss um and that uh, i'm going with the latter like <clears throat> The, the fact that Pai Mei, like, only taught her, like, you know, her training did not get off to a good start. Um, got off on a very bad foot. You know, she she spoke shitty uh, Cantonese to him and uh, badmouthed him and, and tried to hit him with a fucking rock. <laughs> uh, and to go from that to him teaching her the uh, the, the his you know, homebrewed technique that he has not taught anyone in, in the history of him and his tutelage uh, is just uh yeah, total, uh, total brilliant writing and, and filmmaking on Tarantino's part. So yeah, it's definitely one of my favorites. Really good choice. I love those movies and I, I revisit them annually. Um, just yeah. Excellent fight scenes. Love every minute of it. And yeah. Charlie Brown John. <laughs> Charlie Brown John. <laughs> uh it's a good one all right uh yeah what's your uh what's your next one? Oh man so i loved this movie growing up and i still love it now it's this is another one i put on if i just 
don't really have anything to watch. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put on Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Uh, absolutely phenomenal movie. Arguably the greatest action film of all time. Mm-hmm. It still holds up and it was mm-hmm. uh, made in 1991. But when Terminator, when the Terminator dies at the end or he sacrifices himself because he has that final chip in his brain and you get the thumbs up going into the lava pit, mm-hmm. I'm just like, it's enough to make a grown man cry sort of thing. Um, <laughs> because he's that, right it is. he's that father figure that that John Connor needed the entire time. And, uh, you know, Kyle Reese wasn't around because he was in the past, but he was also in the future. But then he was also in the past. <laughs> and then your whole head explodes and you're like, whatever. But having having Arnie there, you know, as the, the titular character and then have to sacrifice himself is so heartbreaking. But mm-hmm. I love it. It's iconic. And it'll always be the thumbs up going into the uh, in, into the it's not lava, but molten molten fire pit. Let's call it that. <laughs> The molten molten. The molten molten. It's like cheese pizza, like molten cheese pizza. But uh, yeah, that's that's actually what he's descending into. You know, Uh, not too many people know that, but it's just a giant vat of cheese, mozzarella cheese. It's the inside Uh, of a hot pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that would be like the hottest thing. (laughs) You can throw a hot pocket in the freezer for an hour and it'll still be like molten cheese when you pull it out. It is insane. (laughs) Yeah, they... uh, uh, okay so short uh <laughs> tangent like what the fuck hot pockets like like you <laughs> let it cool for like two seconds and all of a sudden the exterior crust is like hard as a fucking brick like yeah. I, I i don't get it um like you like you're forced to eat it while it it, it is boiling lava but anyways <laughs> uh white people problems uh, right, you know. right. <laughs> uh but no that that is an excellent pick i i actually saw terminator 2 before i saw the the original and there was a large gap in between <laughs> those like i saw terminator 2 uh probably close to when it first came out um so you know i I was maybe about six at the time and then i saw terminator uh the the first one probably like 10 years ago when i was like 25 wow um so uh yeah so when i and that was literally the first time maybe the first time like maybe someone told me but then i remembered that arnold was the bad guy in the first one and i was like what the fuck is this? (laughs) Like, I don't want him to be bad. Um, But yeah. um, It still has like one of the coolest trailers uh, for a a film. You should see it. It's, it's, it's total teaser, but it gets you hyped because you're like, Oh shit. And you know, like Arnold's in it sort of thing. Right. right. Yeah. If you have a chance, you should YouTube the Terminator two original, original trailer. It'll, it'll show you. It's, It's pretty badass. Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to go check that out. Um, so my number three pick is, a. Uh, I had to throw a comic book one in here. And of course this one could be, um, procured from the TV series, uh, the many, many, many movies, uh, rebooted like three or four times now. Um, I am talking about uncle Ben from Spider-Man. Um, I think one of our criteria was like no low hanging fruit. Uh, or like try and avoid low hanging fruit, like ones that could easily be discussed or um, 
whatever. But I, I just I had to throw in Uncle Ben because, you know, he has that great line of, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And it becomes one of, you know, uh, Peter Parker and Spider-Man's like living mantras, like one of the things that he just he, he goes by, like, you know, you when you play the Spider-Man game, you literally kick dudes off of the top of buildings. <laughs> but then like, if you look down the side of the building, he actually webbed them up. <laughs> oh gosh. It's not so, like Batman that breaks every bone in the body. Just right. Of a, of a, a thug doing a part-time job sort of thing. Yeah. It's like those memes or like the dude's head on his on backwards. And it's like, Batman <laughs> will be like, now talk. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I love it though. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really don't have too much to say about uncle Ben because you know, so much has been said already, but yeah, like, you know, God bless uncle Ben. He was, he was the dad to, to Peter Parker when Peter Parker did not have a dad. Um, you know, he knew the role in Peter's life, um, but he still tried to play the part of, you know, both uncle and dad. Um, at the same time and he did a beautiful job of it and did a great job with aunt may raising peter to be a uh, responsible semi-responsible adult mostly responsible but also partially irresponsible but you know if we didn't have that mix we wouldn't have the brilliant peter parker and spider-man so uh yeah that's my uh that's my number three there you go. That's a great one. Everyone knows the origin story. It's it's mm-hmm. crucial to, I mean, it was crucial to Into the Spider-Verse where they all had iterations of it. So it just worked mm. out really well. But yeah, that's a good pick, man. I like yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah. Um, my number four, I guess low-hanging fruit, but whatever. Um, whatever. This one, I mean, I just, I, I think of it of how it affected me. It was one of the greatest movie theater watching experiences I've ever had in my life because of all the pomp and circumstance that led up to it. And I'm talking about Avengers Endgame. Mm. Uh, we know what, what I'm going to talk about, but I mean, just that buildup for for the moment when, spoiler, Tony Stark dies. It was, what was that, 12 years in the making where you mm-hmm. get uh, the beautiful moment of the man who started it all and then he ends it all and just he's like, I'm inevitable. And then and I am Iron Man. Every mm-hmm. time I say that or think about that, I'm just like, oh, it's so sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, just uh, that final, the final battle is utterly insane and beautiful and incredible and everything that we wanted. And I'm still blown away that the the Russos and Kevin Feige and everybody were able to piece it all together because it's such a massive uh, undertaking, right? Or mm-hmm. such a massive achievement. And so it's, it's fascinating that it, it worked so well. And everybody felt like they had good screen time. I don't think anybody really got cheated out of it necessarily. But there was there were several moments in the final 20, 30 minutes of the movie where I thought, you know, Steve Rogers was going to die. And I thought XYZ was going to die. It was just it was so much. Um, and for it to end that way was just a beautiful send off for Tony. And I still didn't I, I still don't believe it today. I'm like, no, he's he's alive somewhere, <laughs> you know, but it just it had to happen. I don't see it any other way. And yeah. so he left us with that beautiful moment. And it was the 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 cherry on top that we had for 12 years that we were nursing this beautiful uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. So yeah. it was um, it's hard. Tony Stark is a is a, is a very uh, impactful death. Yeah, 100 uh, percent. Uh, you know, they had kind of been uh hinting at it or building up to it ever since the first avengers movie where cap you know straight up says to him to his face like you'll never be the one to make the sacrifice play 
Um, and in the end, that's exactly what he does, you know, to, to save everyone. Um, and yeah. And and like to, you know, to further your, your point about this movie, uh, like both Avengers infinity war and end game, like, you know, it's, it's weird to wax poetically about comic book movies, but these two films are absolutely fucking brilliant. Like you said it like they, everyone got appropriate screen time. Um, just like they were absolutely perfect. Like I, I hands down give them five stars each. Like they, for, for what they needed to accomplish between the two movies, uh, you know, storyline wise, you know, character wise, action wise, like they just knocked it out of the park for, for both films. Um, so yeah, uh, that's, that's a, a great pick. Um, you know, and he's treating end. her like a perfect 40. <laughs> <laughs> her ears are like a four and a seven. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's hard to beat it, man. It's like I, I think about watching it right now just because it's it's so beautiful and mm-hmm. it, it's a whole journey. I don't want to watch all every Marvel movie, but I would just probably watch um, Infinity War and then Endgame if I had an extra six or seven hours to spare. So. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, we were doing the um, the marvelous adventure uh, with Zach, and most of the reason why we're doing it was because Zach never went through all the uh, the movies. Uh, mm. Like he, I think he watched Guardians and maybe one other MCU movie, but for the most part, like he just managed to skip them all. Like he kind of got he was late to the game, and he was like, "Well, what's the point in picking up now?" Like, and so we're like, let's let's make that part of the podcast where we go through like timeline order and watch them all. So um, if you know, you're more than welcome to come back on anytime in the future for, you know, uh, when we inevitably get to those episodes. Um, I mean, obviously Zach Binks won't, won't be there, but um, <laughs> you know, we can, uh, we can still have you on. Like I said, you go to Zach 2.0. Yes. <laughs> Zach we can rebuild 2- him <laughs> like the billion dollar man. So. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Just, you know, throw some uh, additional parts in there, some replacement parts and uh, wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Sweet. I like it. Yeah. Uh, Oh yeah. My turn. Um, (laughs) So uh, this is a, uh, this is definitely some low hanging fruit as well. Uh, And once I started, I had a respectable list, you know, I had about 10, 12 deaths in my list. And then I went to the interwebs and I started looking up, um, some deaths that I might've missed. And this was on every single list. Um, and this is Mufasa from the lion King, uh, more than likely, uh, for every millennial, the, probably the first or one of the first, uh, on screen deaths that you witnessed as a kid, probably, especially from a, uh, an animated movie. But, uh, I ha- I'll be honest, I have not seen The Lion King in a very long time, um, but I fucking loved this movie growing up. Like, it was always a chore getting through that scene, um, you know, with Mufasa dying and, you know, long live the king. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, a- after that, I, you know, smooth sailing, but yeah, it's, you know, Mufasa's death. Like, it was, it was one of those things where it, it had to happen in order for 
for Simba to for his storyline to officially kick in for him to, you know, grow up and run away from home, you know, eventually find his way back home. And yeah, it's a, uh, you know, we all know the joke. It's, you know, the animated version of Hamlet with lions and tigers and bears. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just had to put Mufasa on here. I thought about throwing it in my honorable mentions, but it, sh- it was just so monumental to my childhood that it had to be part of my seven. So I think, yeah, I think that's important to add there for sure. I saw the Lion King like three times in theaters. I think I absolutely really? loved it. Oh yeah. I absolutely love the Lion King and yeah, it's very iconic. You know, I killed Mufasa. <laughs> so it's, yeah. um, it's a lot. That's a, that's a really good choice though. Yeah. Good old Jeremy Irons. Jeremy yeah. Irons. Yeah. I honestly, I, I don't think I've seen him in a ton of stuff, but I do know that he voices Scar, and I do know that he was <laughs> Alfred in uh, in the um, the the, the, bat, the, bat the bat flick. <laughs> yeah, the, the bat flick. Um, Why'd you say that name? <laughs> Why'd you say that name? <laughs> oh God! Collective eye roll in the theater, and I'm a diehard Batman fan, and that one made me mad. Yeah, but. I uh, I, I'm definitely in the minority where I did not mind. Um, uh, Batman vs Superman. I will be the first to admit it is uh, nowhere near a perfect movie. Um, has many imperfections, but I, I still enjoyed it. I, you know, maybe Can't stand that Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> oh God, that it would be one of the uh, major setbacks of the movie for me. Like, if you're like, okay, David, I want you to set aside a, a couple things that you really fucking hate about this movie, and it's like. Jesse Eisenberg, because I had high hopes for him. Like he was like a real big up and comer, like when they cast him as Lex Luthor and like, he just came off as like, not what we were expecting. Like he was trying to do his own weird version and just didn't land whatever. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, we we got to get off Batman or else we we will <laughs> we'll be here all night. So. All of a sudden we hear uh, we hear something in the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, e- exactly. Um, that's that's the better Batman. Oh, my God. The much better. Don't Batman. even get me started. <laughs> all right. I'll move on to my number number five, I believe. So, uh, yeah, this one's a newer one for me. And it's weird because it's probably the oldest. Mo- it is the oldest movie on my list. But I had not seen this movie in its entirety um, until we recently did an episode for my podcast. The Don't Be Crazy podcast. And I'm talking about 1960 Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Mm-hmm. So one of the most iconic just scenes in general from any movie that you could just go ree, 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 <laughs> and pe- most people will know, but it's Marion Crane when she gets uh, murdered in the shower by by spoiler Norman Bates, who's dressed up as his as his mother, Norma Bates. But it is so well done. Um, the shots they did, the the cuts that they did, n- not knife cuts, but like edits <laughs> that they mm. did were, were so incredible and just iconic. You know, the dun 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 dun. The score yeah. was amazing. So I think that's a, a damn near perfect like death scene in any movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I was writing this list, I completely spaced. and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to put Psycho on there. It's it's so iconic. And it's been, you know, um, people have used it in their movies and they've referenced it so many times uh like wayne's world right you know he's hitting the thing he's going (laughs) so it uh just makes sense but yeah marion crane from psycho 
Yeah, I intentionally left her off of my list because I had a uh, just a, a a Peter tingle that you were going to put it on your list uh, because, like you said, you just covered Psycho on the Don't Be Crazy podcast, um, and yeah, I you know I, I I was keeping her like for backup in my honorable mentions, but that is a excellent pick. Um, you know, it's. Like you said, a classic death scene, um, you know, just that whole scene. Like I, I recently revisited Psycho. We, uh, we covered it not too long ago on the podcast, maybe about a year or so ago we, we covered it. And, uh, you know, that's when I rewatched it for the first time in several years and holy shit, man, that movie is beautiful. Like, and it, it still holds up. Like it's, it's like 80 years old, (laughs) not that old, but you know, it's, it's pretty old. And, um, yeah, like that, that shower scene, like that shot where you see the door open and, you know, Norman is standing in the doorway. Of course you, you know, think that it's a woman, uh, but yeah, that just the way it's framed is, is like absolutely brilliant. And then the rig that they made so they could get the shot, um, the, the point of view shot from the shower head from the shower head. Yeah, yeah. Just, it's like, Oh, like <laughs> a masterpiece. It really so. is. And, and it, I mean, it was, it gave us the real first big movie twist where this entire film, you know, a good 30 minutes into it or almost halfway into it, you're you're focusing on Marion Crane and you're like, oh, she's the main character. She's kind of like Tina from A Nightmare on Elm Street, right? You you get a good 15, 20 minutes of Tina and then you're like, oh shit, she just got murdered. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of like, wow, that was crazy. It was almost like the MacGuffin. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that, that was a, a big deal. And, you know, you can read all about the, the history and trivia behind the movie, like how Hitchcock would not let, uh, like he would lock the doors when uh, the movie started like he would not let anyone come in uh late uh just so they the movie wouldn't spoil and one other piece of uh information that that i love is like as as soon as he read the book psycho he bought all copies in existence so that no one else could read it um I don't I don't know if you know that like uh, I, I, I couldn't remember if you covered that on your episode or not but um, I just thought that was like so crazy of Hitchcock to do is like I'm gonna buy every single fucking copy of Psycho so no one knows the ending oh gosh yeah, yeah. no I don't I don't think I, we covered that that's that's actually incredible <laughs> yeah he, he's a, a crazy person but uh, yeah that's uh, an excellent pick so yeah good job um so my my fifth pick is uh i had to throw one in that wasn't completely objective where like everyone would celebrate this one but i do feel like there there has to be listeners out there that will like agree with me on this um roland emmerich is not known as like the best filmmaker of all time um, he is responsible for like one of the worst Godzilla movies we've ever had to fucking lay, lay eyes on. Um, I haven't seen Moonfall yet. It actually looks not terrible. Uh, have you seen it? I haven't seen it yet, but I've, it, it, it doesn't look. Yeah. We had a conversation about this. <laughs> Justin loves disaster movies. Yeah, Everything I've seen yeah, and, and read are like, dude, this movie is terrible. <laughs> 
but uh yeah i'm i'm gonna stay away from that one probably but you do you so yeah i i don't know that that will probably be a streaming watch once it hits you know either netflix or hbo max or whatever but anyways um independence day was one of my favorite movies of all time when i was a kid like i was fucking obsessed with aliens like i could not get enough like it was the perfect blend of entertainment and horror to me like i was so terrified of aliens like the look of aliens the idea of being abducted like it was all horrific but at the same time, super fascinating. And I just like everything that I could get my hands on, like literature wise, um, you know, reading material, viewing material. Like I just, I had to consume it all. I was like Tom DeLong for like three years. Um, <laughs> and uh, I am talking about Russell Case uh, from Independence Day, uh, the, the, the pilot who, the crop duster who sacrifices, he makes the sacrifice play um, to, fly his his plane into the uh the the laser beam of the 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 biggest one of the biggest ships and you know explode it so that all the other ships can explode and i don't know do some funky business with whatever the the virus that they <laughs> will smith and jeff goldblum were inputting into the <laughs> like how the fuck that worked i i don't i don't no like but it's it's a movie about aliens so you know suspension of disbelief is already on the table um but yeah like i i just had to throw that in there because you know it was one of my favorite movies growing up um you know it, it features will smith punching aliens before he was punching chris rock um wow <laughs> <laughs> slap slap slapity slap <laughs> yeah exactly um so yeah, uh, like I said, I, I just, you know, it, it's not an objectional like, oh yeah, like remember this one, but like I said, I just had to throw it in there. So I love it. I, it's a great pick. Hey boys, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> love it, man. Uh, yeah. That, that's like a guilty pleasure of mine too, that movie, just because it's, it's, I'm not a disaster movie guy and that movie even gives me gives me the heebie-jeebies sometimes because I don't mm -hmm. like destruction, but I absolutely love Independence Day. I saw it in theaters when I was a kid. I had the toys. I would always say, welcome to Earth, and I would like, <laughs> welcome to Earth. you know, punch my pillow or something like that. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, it was it was fun, man. I that's, that's a really good choice. I like uh, even though Randy Quaid is kind of crazy. Um, I think he had to flee to Canada or something like that. He'll oh, always yeah? have that memorable death. Yeah. Um, and cousin Eddie. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's uh, like I said, I just had to throw it in there. So Hell yeah. Yeah. What's your uh, numero seis? All right. I am jumping to the world of TV and I was a, a late, a late bloomer to this show. It had already been on and um, completed. So I think the hallmark for any really good TV show should be anywhere between five and six seasons. And then you should kind of stop at that point um, or less. Yeah, so like Ozark, four seasons, Breaking Bad, five seasons, Better Call Saul, six seasons. But mm -hmm. this is one of the greatest shows of all time. And that is no hyperbole. I'm talking about The Wire. Um, mm. The Wire, 2002 to 2008, there were only five seasons. But damn near a perfect show. I, I, I'd probably say it's a perfect show. It's a fucking masterpiece. Anyhow, um, one of the greatest characters and probably the most recognizable character is Omar. Have you mm -hmm. seen The Wire? So I haven't finished it yet, uh, but um, I have. I think I'm on. What would you say? It ran for uh, 
so six, it's, it's only five six, seasons. Five, it's five seasons, yeah. I think I'm on season four. Okay, so it is absolutely incredible. Uh, I'm going to spoil it for you, though. No, is that okay? don't worry about it. Yeah, All right. Perfectly so, fine. Omar Little, uh, you know, he is a he, he's a gangbanger, but he also kills drug dealers. And it's just he's like the enemy. My enemy is my friend sort of thing. He's this rogue guy who's just robbing drug dealers and so badass. And some of the coolest kills in, in the show, just some of the best lines. And Michael K. Williams, we lost him last year, you know, R.I.P. Mm-hmm. But yeah phenomenal actor you'd always have you know omar coming omar coming y'all like just absolutely incredible had that whistle yeah exactly and how he dies in the wire is so shocking and you're just like what he just gets killed by this kid in a a convenience store after he just survived (laughs) like this onslaught and it is it's heavy, man, because it comes so quick, very much in the vein of anything from Ozark or anything from Breaking Bad or just a, or, or a Game of Thrones sudden death. You're just like, holy shit. And for for such a gigantic character to go out that way, it is it's hard. You have to comprehend it for a little bit. And he's Michael K. Williams is absolutely phenomenal in in The Wire. So, yeah, yeah. Omar Little. That's a that's a good pick. Um, yeah, I. Like I said, I haven't quite gotten there yet. That totally fine. I so people like everyone and their mother talked up the wire. Um, like, oh, it's the best show on TV. It's at least the best show on HBO. Like, best thing they've ever done. And like, I'm watching it, and I'm enjoying it. But I'm like, okay, when does this get good? And I realize, <laughs> like, halfway through the first season that I'm just stupid. Like, uh, like Michael Scott has the best quote about the wire. He's like, I've been watching a lot of the wire, although I don't understand any of it. (laughs) I'm like, Holy shit. That is me. Like when I finally got, got around to watching uh, most of the wire and then went back and rewatched the office for like the millionth time um, and got to that Michael talking head. I was like, Oh my God, someone else gets me. Even if it's a fictional character who gets me (laughs) like, um, yeah, I, I, I'm convinced that's the reason why I wasn't fully enthralled with the wire is that it's just, um, it was hard for me to understand what's, what's going on, but you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, I, the, the dumbed down version is it's it's about the bureaucracy and the and the nightmares that we have in any bureaucratic uh, uh, hierarchy. So right. any job we have, this just happens to be the police department where even the drug dealers, they have their their hierarchy that they have to deal with. But then they run into bureaucratic issues with that. Like if they want to go to a street corner, but Stringer Bell's like, no, that's not how we're going to operate. Mm-hmm. It's just things get tied up. And with the police department, you know, this is obviously well before uh, issues came to surface with policing. And so they were kind of looked at like heroes back then, but uh, with, with certain evidence finding and, and ways that they would do things like McNulty breaking kind of the law in order to the ends justify the means sort of thing. That's where it it tiptoes and you're kind of like, but he's right. But then it just gets thrown out and you have Mm -hmm. to deal with it. And it's like, holy shit, like the Hamsterdam season, that's season four, I believe where he puts all the crackheads into the, you know, that little neighborhood. And it's, yeah. it's such a radical idea and it, it mirrors real life, right? Where right. We're, we're, people are like, clean up the homeless, get rid of drugs, but, but we don't have a solution. It's like, well, here's a solution. Well, we don't like that. It's like, then what do you <laughs> want sort of thing? Right. So, and it's beautifully acted and written and it's 
freaking phenomenal. I don't want to talk too much about it, but yeah, it's, it's sure. so good. So. Yeah, it's it's a damn good show. Um, you know, it's uh, of course I it'd be best to finish it and then make my final judgments. But you know, as of right now, it's definitely not my favorite HBO show. Like the there's some classics out there, like Six Feet Under and. You know, The Sopranos, I liked pretty well. I'm not super into, like, mafia uh, stuff, but um, I, I did like The Sopranos. Um, if t- I'll have the salad on the side, and if it's on the side, <laughs> I send I, it back. If it's not on the side, I send <laughs> if the uh, If the salad's on top, I send it back. Yeah. I'll have the gabagool. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, like, when I s- watch The Sopranos for the first time, I'm like, holy shit, that's what it's from. Yeah. <laughs> the gab- the- because it's like actually spelled Capicola. That's how you're supposed to say it. But Capicola. for some reason. Capicola. Yeah. Like it, it's just not as fun as the, you know, the Gabagool. You know, the Gabagool. Um, yeah. Anyways. So uh, let's see. So for my number six, I'm going with. Speaking of deaths that uh, were still not fully convinced happens. Like you're just in denial about it. Um so in the Harry Potter franchise, there's quite a few people that die, unfortunately. Um, a few of them bad, lots of them good. And they, uh, most of those good ones, um, if not all, they were really tough to say goodbye to those characters. But the one that always hits me the hardest whenever I reread the books or rewatch the, uh, the, the film series is uh, the uncle. Serious black um and you know i like i said there's a lot of deaths to choose from you know there's uh the uh the weasley twin there is um you know uh there's, there's cedric snape. <laughs> yeah snape there's cedric who was like you know the the first big monumental death in the series that was you know a big one where you know shit got real and they're like holy shit there's there's stakes to this and um and then the whole next movie is uh, everyone not believing them uh but uh, yeah serious he um i remember listening to the audiobook and i was like nah nah like i i was like the um the dad from uh, Mars attacks when he sees uh, Jack Black's character like <laughs> yeah. go and go up in a pa- uh, a plume of green smoke. He's like, nah, nah, it didn't happen. Nah, nah, it didn't happen. Like that was me. Like listening along, I was like, uh, no, like he's he's totally gonna come back and like the you know Half Blood Prince. Everything's gonna be fine. Um, but you know, as we all know, he did not come back. Um, yeah it's just uh like he was the closest to flesh and blood that harry had um that that he actually felt akin to that that he felt like he was actually related to and and had an emotional and spiritual connection with because you know fuck the dursleys um so yeah that one probably hit me the hardest out of out of all the deaths of course you know snape is super tragic and also shout out to my uh wonderful wife Lindsay. she threw out snape on the facebook poll um uh that was another thing i I forgot to mention we can Uh, do it after after our picks yeah um she yeah but she threw out uh snape uh of course great pick you know uh always is like the number one tattoo that everyone likes to get that's uh 
a Harry Potter fan or just, you know, it's one of the most infamous quotes because it's, it's one word, but it encapsulates so fucking much. Um, so yeah. Um, anyways, Sirius Black, that was, that was my number six. I just had to put it in there. I agree. He was my favorite character in Harry Potter. And I was so upset when I was younger and I read the books and I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I was like, you're going to do him like that. And uh, they did a good job in the movies, though. I think a lot of people had gripes about Order of the Phoenix, but people it's a long book. It's like a thousand pages and you can't make an eight hour Harry Potter movie. So mm-hmm. it's uh, they had to do some things they had to trim some fat. Yeah, I always go back and forth on what my favorite Harry Potter movie is. Like always, like every time I sit down to try and figure it out, I I go back and forth with it. But I firmly believe that Order of the Phoenix objectively is the best made of of the uh, the eight movies. Um, I just uh, you know because of what you said about the adaptation from the book, like it's it's it is the longest book correct mm-hmm. yeah yeah so they had a lot to adapt into the movie and i just think that uh david yates he, he did an amazing job with mm-hmm. uh, uh with adapting it and, and directing it so mm-hmm. i agree yeah. completely yeah anyways what uh what is your last pick good sir all right we are going to uh what, 2008 to 2013, This uh, I just gave a rant about um, basically criteria for an amazing show, and I talked about it, Breaking Bad. So uh, that lasted five seasons, and it was a damn near perfect show with the final three episodes being some of the greatest episodes in TV that I will ever see. Now, if we had more time, I would sit, and I will die on this hill. I would sit here and say that Better Call Saul is a better show than Breaking Bad. Ding, 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 ding. But, that's that's not just me as Hector ringing yeah. the bell. <laughs> there you go. The chicken that was, man. <laughs> that, that was me agreeing with you. But yeah, yes, carry exactly. On. So uh, but we did have Ozymandias, which was a freaking perfect episode. And when the character Hank, who has lasted the entire series, has mm. the moment when he says, Walter, you're the smartest man I know but you're too stupid to see that he's, he already made up his mind 15 minutes ago. I'm paraphrasing, but then mm-hmm. Hank, Hank gets shot and it is so heartbreaking because I did not think it would happen. I did not think it would go that way. And uh, it was, it was a lot to process and I actually got it spoiled. So oh, I was, no. I was late to it and I, I jumped on, I jumped on it a year after it finished. Uh, yeah, so I was watching same. it all, all on Netflix and I was on season five, like halfway through and I was getting on a bus in Seattle um, and I overheard this guy. He, he a police officer is walking by. He's like, he's like, oh, you look like Hank from Breaking Bad. He goes, yeah, hopefully I don't end up in the same fate or something like that. And I just go, God damn this. <laughs> it's like, fuck the police. <laughs> I was I was so mad and I'm like, whatever. So now I got to go binge it. And so I did. And sure enough, he died. So I was just like, yeah. but it still had a really, really profound impact on me. Mm-hmm. So um, I love Dean Norris. He was so great. You know, Total Recall. He had the crazy face. Um, he's been in a lot of other other movies, too. Just love the dude. And it was it was hard to see him uh, die. It was cool to see him in Better Call Saul. Though. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, he is a fantastic character actor. Like he plays a cop and like 
15 different movies. I know. I think like, he is a cop in real life. <laughs> yeah, like, he just plays that part so well. Um, like, he was the police officer that pulled uh, the family over in Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, and, uh, like, I, there's been a couple other, like, one-off, like... Uh, he was the SWAT know, leader in T2. In oh, uh, Terminator he? 2. Yeah, he was, he was one of the SWAT leaders, yeah. Maybe that's what I also recognize him from. It's a very um, bit role. Uh, sure but yeah uh this is a excellent pick and way to go for the non low-hanging fruit uh you know you could have easily went for you know walt um but yeah like his his death like i don't know me personally if i saw his death coming or not like typically i i turn my brain off when i watch stuff because i'm not one of those people where they like to like try and figure things out and be like, ah, I was right about that. Like, I just like <laughs> to let the information enter my brain as it's happening. Um, so yeah, that was, it was a total shocker and probably the most heartbreaking of all the deaths. Cause like Hank, he was, he was always like kind of an a-hole, but when stacked up against like Walt, like he was well, def- especially since hank had so many close calls like with the twins right that whole shootout yeah i mean he just had so many close calls and you're like he's gonna die this way it just it was heartbreaking um you know mike ehrman trout's death was really sad gus's death was awesome um you had a lot of good moments in in you know for lack of a better term good deaths in in that show and in that series but that was a that was a hard one to watch man yeah yeah definitely um well mine is uh my seventh pick is semi-related um this show ran from like 2008 to 2013 and it's called breaking bad (laughs) i've heard of that show (laughs) yeah um so yeah when when you started talk uh, i was like oh shit his last pick is breaking bad (laughs) um and i was like okay I, i i I was trying to guess if it was going to be uh, Gus and Hector. And thankfully it wasn't because it makes this conversation a little bit more interesting. Uh, Slightly odd that we're both uh, ending on Breaking Bad. But I, I just had to throw in like like an awesome death where you're like you kind of just throw your fist in the air because like the death is so awesome, like the circumstance and it's like the death of two major key players in the series. Um, you know, he, uh, Walt being, uh, you know, Heisenberg, he, he always played to like the highest bidder, like whoever's gonna, you know, help him out. Like, and, uh, he, you know, he just goes to, uh, ends up going to Hector and he's like, Hey, um, I know you hate Gus. I too hate Gus. You want to, uh, you want to blow him up with a wheelchair. <laughs> um, it's just so goddamn good. And you know, the, the classic scene of him walking out and straightening his tie and, you know, just falling down and you pan over to see half his face is blown off. Good old two face action going on. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's my seventh pick is is Gus and Hector. Just super satisfying, as weird and kind of sick as it is to say about you know character deaths. We are talking about fictional circumstances, of course, but um, yeah, such a such a good one, classic, fantastic choice. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you can't go wrong with that. And that's what why in, in Better Call Saul, you just teeter on that. God, I hate him so much. But you're like, but I'm also kind of rooting for Gus. And then you're like, no, but he's terrible. And yeah, it's tugs at the heartstrings. Yeah, I, you know, if I had to pick one, I would I would definitely be Team Gus, uh, Team Gustavo. Because, like, I, I just don't know. I, I, I love how, like, calm and collected he is. And so, like, this, the slightest, like, movement out of place or, like, characterization that's not on the cool, calm, and collect side is, like, uh-oh. Like, it's a clue as to how aggravated Gus is being. Whereas, like, Hector, like, pre-wheelchair times, you know, he he just had the tendency to flip out. Like, he was he's a Salamanca through and through. So, like like as entertaining and fun and funny as it is it is to just watch like Hector and really any other Salamanca just blow their fuse and just ah um <laughs> like I just I I love Gus and um they, they definitely made one of the best rivalries in in TV history um just constantly one-upping each other with you know Heisenberg in the middle just with a stick like yeah do it do it <laughs> exactly <laughs> kill each other uh all right so uh you want to do some uh honorable mentions yeah and uh for just for the sake of time i won't discuss them too much i'll just say sure. them but um so samuel l jackson from deep blue sea that was mm. a very like holy shit surprise death yeah uh, he had that like kind of brief uh monologue or whatever speech and all of a sudden shark comes out of nowhere first we gotta seal up this door so yeah so right, pretty yeah. crazy yeah. Uh, dr hopper from the thing the thing oh, is yeah. one of my favorite movies of all time and that chestburster scene is mm-hmm. so terrifying and i just it still it creeps me out today but it's amazing yeah um, logan from the movie logan uh hugh, hugh jackman here's a man who's who's been my wolverine for 14 years or however long and to see him go out was so bittersweet because you knew it was going to happen and the entire movie i just i knew it was going to happen but logan uh obi-wan kenobi of course that's a very mm-hmm. iconic death but it still doesn't uh still doesn't lessen it by any stretch and then the alien chestburster on uh john hurt um, that was incredible to see because, you know, he's laughing, coughing, and it's just such an iconic, what the hell is going on? And then, bam. And then, I, I'm going to bite you with my little mouth. Sort of <laughs> I'm going to get you with my little mouth, too. Oh, no, you get back in there, little mouth. <laughs> get back in there, little mouth. <laughs> I'm going to get you when we eat them. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What are your honorable mentions? Uh, so, yeah, I got a couple. Um, I got Malcolm Crow from The Sixth Sense. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I did not. I, I just... I just know him as Bruce Willis's character. Um, There you go. uh, Yeah. Like the last time I knew that his name was Malcolm or Malcolm Crow was the last time I watched the sixth sense, like a couple years ago. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, of course, classic death. Um, I still have yet to run into anyone who will admit that they figured it out, uh, that, that knew he was dead the whole time. I don't think it's possible to, to know. It's just, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I had to throw that one in there. Um, Charlie Graham from Hereditary. Uh, I thought this was kind of like an updated, uh, like psycho, like death uh, with Marion Crane, because you know you, you couldn't really gather too much from the trailer, like who's gonna live, who's gonna die, um, except for the part in the trailer where someone's literally on fire and it's the tag. <laughs> so yeah, spoiler alert. He Gabriel dies. Burns. <laughs> oh, 
Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I th- that death like totally took me by surprise. I was not expecting it, and I was not expecting her to <laughs> yeah to to go out like that. Uh, that was fucking crazy. And, that was and then, insane. Yeah, yeah that, was, and, that was shocking. Um, one of my Christmas gifts from my wife this past year was the um, you know A twenty four has a excellent uh, gift shop part of their website where they sell some pretty cool stuff. And she bought me the hardbound um, hardback bound um, screenplay that has like stills from the movie. And that is one of the stills from uh, the movie is her head, like on the ground, like all covered in ants. It's, uh, it's so nuts. Yeah, it's very gross. Um, anyway, sorry, I'm taking too much time with these. Um, I put Logan on there as well from Logan, you know, one of the, the best uh, iteration of the live action Wolverine ever. Um I put uh, Jack Twist uh, from Brokeback Mountain, Han Solo from The Force Awakens. Uh, I am one of those people. Just going to throw it out there. I fucking loved the 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 latest trilogy that we got. A lot of people had problems with one, two, or all three of them, uh, or a combination of those. But I I loved uh, this trilogy, and uh, Han Solo was. Uh, had to throw that one in there because he he made the sacrifice play like he had faith in Ben that he would eventually turn back and he knew that he would have to sacrifice his life in order for him to be able to see that so um i i I don't know if it's i think it's fontine from les mis uh i this came off of a, a list um, that that I found, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. Uh, the one and only time I've watched Lay Miz because I just can't do it again. It's so goddamn heartbreaking, and her scene in particular, like after she gets her hair cut off and she's like singing "I Dreamed a Dream," like I'm getting so fucking sad just about it. So, um, yeah, I had to put one that that one in there. Um, Spider Man from Avengers: Infinity War. Of course, we know he comes back. Uh, but yeah, like it was so heartbreaking to, to learn that the reason why his death took so long to, to happen, to get dusted was because like his, um, his spider regeneration, um, abilities was like kicking in and fighting the death, um, but, uh, eventually succumbed. So yeah, that was definitely heartbreaking. Also from, you know, the Avengers, um, Natasha Romanoff, AKA Black Widow, I thought that was damn near uh, heartbreaking. Um, I was not expecting her to go, but uh, she she did, unfortunately. Um, let's see. Uh, Marvin from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> 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 oh, man, I shot Marvin in the face. Um, and uh, let's see. And then last but not least, uh, I think this was my only fiction pick. Uh, Robert Bob Paulson from Fight Club. Aww. yeah Meatloaf. bob mm. bob had bitch tits <laughs> uh yeah I, fight club is uh it's definitely within my top five um favorite books of all time and chuck palanick he is definitely my favorite author um but yeah the the movie version of this the, it just it nailed this death scene where they bring him in and like they're about to handle him just like a you know like project mayhem was raised to uh to handle death just put him in the the backyard 
to be fertilizer. And uh, he, you know, took a moment to, to remember him as, as he, uh, the, the AA going or the, all the other billions of clubs that he, or not clubs, but um, you know, meetings that he belonged to, you know, he met Bob in and he was, uh, you know, he was, he helped the narrator like come to terms with a lot of his emotions. And, you know, he has that line where he's like, like I cried and I cried and I cried. And that night I slept like a baby and it's like, God damn, like, yeah. Everything out there about like the I'm not going to say the burdens of the white man because that's not correct, but you know. Um yeah, it's it was just a I thought a, a monumental death that I had to mention and I had to sneak one in from the books too. So, there you go. Yeah. Uh anyways, um we're going to segue from the the topic of death to the topic of our shit that doesn't suck. Shit that doesn't suck. Um, Zach, what do you what do you have for us this week? So I am a big Formula One racing fan. Uh, I jumped on the bandwagon because of Netflix. Those those devils. They uh, yeah. they have a, a series called Drive to Survive. There are four seasons, and I definitely recommend it to anyone who has not seen it. Formula One this week, as of this recording, will be in Miami, and this is the very first time Miami is uh, having Formula One racing. It's a beautiful track, all the glitz and glam. Um, it's it's. I'm telling you right now, if this were a stock, you need to buy Formula One because it will get very, very popular and it's already growing like crazy. And it's so fun to watch. It's not NASCAR. They don't go in circles. The the tracks are yeah. windy. There's chicanes everywhere. There's DRS zones, which are basically you can pass through, overtake people and just at super crazy high speeds. We're talking like 200 miles per hour, all mm. that kind of stuff. Um, it's very, very intense. But if you're interested, start watching Drive to Survive on Netflix and you will be hooked. It is a phenomenal sport. And I want to spread the word, spread the gospel of Formula <laughs> One to everyone. So, yeah, this um, this weekend is when it kicks off. So tomorrow on Friday, the 6th, actually, is when they'll do their their free sprints. Then Saturday is qualifying and uh, free practice, I should say. And then Saturday is qualifying. And then Sunday is the actual Grand Prix. So, yeah. F1, get on it, baby. Right on. Yeah, I if I was to get into any racing, um, televised racing Formula One would be it. Like I, I've seen it in passing and I'm like, that looks fucking cool. Um, and I loved um games like Gran Turismo when I was younger. Um that was like my very first like PlayStation 2 game. Um I, I know that's not the same as Formula One, but uh yeah, I I have been meaning to like make an active attempt to, to watch that show on Netflix and then watch some actual races is just, um, you know, it'll happen one of these days. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a good pick. Um, so let's see. Uh, actually, uh, I have like three, but I'll, I'll just talk briefly about 
them. Um, so I watched the uh, the new docu uh, docu series. It's only like two parts um, about John Wayne Gacy conversations with a killer. Um, it's the John Wayne Gacy tape. So they play all this uh, recorded material uh, with interviews from him that had never been released up until now. So that was pretty interesting. I, I didn't know anything about John Wayne Gacy. Like I, I knew cursory knowledge that, you know, you're late your everyday person would know but for the most part it was like 98 percent new information so it was pretty good um not a huge time commitment like i said it's only two episodes um the girl from plainville which is based off of the girl who uh, uh texted her uh, boyfriend to kill himself um does a very good job of showing you both sides i you know obviously the documentary the actual documentary is a superior because, you know, you, you have the objectional truth in there. But uh, the the series was, was pretty good. Elle Fanning, she's a fantastic actor. Um, and, of course, she she killed it. Um, and then Tony Hawk, uh, the Until the Wheels Fall Off, uh, just hit HBO Max. Uh, a fantastic documentary. Uh, it's just one movie. It's But it is a little long. It's about like two and a half hours, I want to say, or maybe three hours. But uh, well worth the watch because it's uh, it does kind of start at the beginning and go to like his current um, uh, current moments in his life. Um, but it is it is crazy the, uh, learning the kind of shit that that guy went through. Um, like when he was younger, uh, just his dad like had a huge hand in building uh the skate scene into to what it is like as far as competitions go and you know he he just had a like he owned a house when he was in high school like he was about to graduate and he already owned a house like that's how nuts his life was and then he just gave up skating for a couple years when he was like in his early twenties, like at the height of his career, he's just like, you know what? It's not fun for me anymore. Cause <laughs> like he was, he was so good at what he did like that. And no one even ever came close. Like he was just taking home the gold and trophies and everything that he competed in and left everyone in the dust that like, it was not fun for him. Not because like, he's like, mm, I'm so good. Like it's boring. Like it was because, um, like people put him on a pedestal. It, it was one of those, like it's lonely at the top kind of things where he just, he was constantly expected to one up himself. And he felt like this extreme pressure to, to constantly get better and, you know, put his body more and more in harm's way to pull out these like impossible tricks. Right. So, um, it, it's just a, a fascinating documentary. Um, so, yeah, that's uh sorry, that's my last one. I kind of took up too much time there, but it's all good. Yeah. Um Did well, you have anything from the uh, Facebook poll at all? Uh yeah, I uh a lot of what we covered um was actually what was thrown out on uh the Facebook poll. Um, you know, there there was a lot of Harry Potter stuff, a lot of like familiar fandoms. Um mm. uh, I think uh, my wife Lindsay she, she also threw out uh, Rue from the Hungry Games. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people are are hit and miss on the Hungry Games. You, you kind of either like it or you don't, and that's fine. Um, it, it's you know, young adult. Um, but yeah, there there was like a lot of young adult stuff. Um, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched the new Dexter. Um, but Dexter dies. Um, so. <gasps> 
shocking yeah. awe. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, I think it was Gail who put that on there. She's one of our uh, few Patreon donors, so I had to give her a shout out. Nice, thank um, you, Gail. Yeah, thank you, and thank you for your continuous contribution. Um, but yeah, um, Zach, you you got anything else before we put a pretty little bow on it? No, David, you know, thank you for having me again. It's great to see you. It's great to hear Absolutely. your voice. Yeah, um, go go ahead and plug the uh, the DBC podcast. <laughs> the prodigal son has returned. The prodigal, prodigal, <laughs> Our balls are in your court. Um, yes. So uh, I have two podcasts. Uh, one is called The Top 5 Podcast, where we do similar stuff to this, where we just talk about a random top five category, and it is pretty fun. And then the other one is a movie podcast because I like to talk about the movie films there. It is called the Don't Be Crazy podcast. A lot of fun. My friend Justin and I do it and you should totally check it out. It's great. We are available on every major podcast streaming app. If you listen and you follow and you like, go ahead and leave us a five star review because it really helps. And I'll give you a little thumbs up or something like that. I don't know. So, um, yeah, good times, man. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Got, got to get those plugs in there. And uh, once again, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. I fully uh, and greatly appreciate you coming. Um, and hopefully I'll be able to insert myself back into your podcast uh, soon as well. Yeah, man, um, we'll get you. We'll get you there. I'll, I'll weasel my way in uh, <laughs> <laughs> at some point in time. That's what you do um, best. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do what that little stickler does best. Stickle. There you go. Um, (laughs) Anyways. uh, uh, Yes. uh, Thank you, Zach. And listeners, thank you so much uh, for tuning into this electrifying episode. Um, Like Zach said about his podcast, please give us um, a five-star rating. um, Five-star, one-star. None of this middle-of-the-road bullshit. You commit to the bit, goddammit, or I will take a shit on your porch. Um, uh, Calm down, Amber Heard. (laughs) (laughs) oh i see what you did there um yeah so you can leave ratings uh, i believe on apple podcast spotify i think you can do it on amazon uh stitcher uh, and google i believe as well uh, did, did google podcast finally add it Cause, i think so okay um I, I had stopped mentioning google podcast completely because it, it seemed like no one was really using it but um, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's a step in their game up. Um, yes. Uh, check out our, uh, all our social media. Uh, we are active on everything, but we are the most active on our Facebook group. Um, it is free to join. You know, you don't have to subscribe to our Patreon, although it would be quite cool if you did. Um, we do have uh, a couple of tiers, a $2 tier, a $5 tier, and you get cool monthly perks. You get to be in the cool group, uh, private, private chat. Um, talk about upcoming episodes and bounce ideas and whatnot. So it's a good time. Um, but yeah, I believe that will do it for this episode. Like I said, thank you for tuning in Zach. Once again, thank you for coming on. Um, and as always be kind, stay geeky and eat lots of cheesecake. Bye. Bye.